First time I'm trying with the music, Stephen. I was just get get the get the juices flowing. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. You know, it's fascinating. When you and I spoke, and, and sometimes I have like conversations don't go very well for the pre-interviews. Sometimes they go well, and sometimes fireworks where we're completing each other's sentences. It felt like we were completing each other's sentences, and you were teaching me concepts all the way from one thought that just absolutely caught my attention. You said, how do we market benefits within the organizations? And today you and I are going to talk about how does HR become the life support system? We're going to inspire the audience. But before we do, we're going to try to reverse engineer. How are you this unicorn innovator? How the heck did this happen? And I was looking at your career. Stephen, what would be your you know, point the finger to here's how you saw the, you see the convergence from external and internal audiences. I know it's a big question. I'm throwing you straight into it, but how, how did you get here? You know, I, it's an interesting thing, right? Because ultimately I'm an employee (laughs) um, and have been, you know, since my career started. Um, and so I sort of lived experiences have told me sort of that side of the equation. So what is it like to be a quote unquote employee consumer, right? And where are the opportunities and where there, where, where are there places where companies could um, enhance the relationship between myself and them, them, right? So that's number one, but number, but probably the big thing from a, from a marketer's point of view is I had the good fortune of starting my career out in the financial services sector. Um, and so within that construct, you know, I was early on in, in the mutual fund business and wrap accounts and all of these sort of financial things. Uh, but, but 401k plans was a big part of that, right? And financial advisors providing 401k plans or, or um, uh, pension plans and those sorts of things. So that was an er- that was the early part of my career. And then weirdly in the late nineties, I had the opportunity to launch the first fully online accredited university. And so it took me down the journey of education and in particular online education, which afforded incredible amounts of um, opportunity to um, now today, we all recognize this particularly post COVID. Uh, prior to that, people didn't necessarily understand it but um but it it, it you know I, it, that took me down the path of corporate training so professional development and um and the the journey of an employee's uh professional um advancement and so what, what was interesting to me is that th- those things are similar um on a lot of fronts because ultimately what they're trying to do is they're trying to provide benefits that enhance a person's life and productivity, right? And those are not mutually exclusive. Those are incredibly interwoven, which is one of the things that people don't really acknowledge. Um, uh, Because ultimately I think, you know, (laughs) I think that people go to work, not, you know, to make a living, but to make a life, right? And so I I think that, you know, that, that, that sort of has informed my thinking around employees is a being one, but b seeing that the benefits that companies are providing, whether it be financial, um, we also do a lot of work with. Um, I'm sorry, I just thought of this. We also do a lot of work with health pro- benefit providers, mm-hmm. um, and and they're trying to navigate how to get for that in particular how to get employees to to navigate a healthier lifestyle, right? That and that's critically important and has very 
that and the professional development have direct impact on an employee's productivity um, uh, and and thus revenue and 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 such. So anyway, so that's sort of how I got here between you know again between financial services, education, and health benefits. Um, it, it just it's all those are all products reaching an audience. That audience yeah. employees. Yeah. So you were an employee. You, you you brought those some of those questions forward, and almost 20, for the last twenty years, you you're the founder and president of Communication Strategy Group, right? CSG, Strategic Marketing Communication Consultancy, and um, it, it's fascinating. I, I think once you take that marketing mindset and you apply it to an employee experience once, and you see the missing piece, you can't unsee it. Right, and 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 to to say that I I'm doing that in my view on that was um, out of a sense of good maybe, but not really. Ultimately, what happens is these organizations like Fidelity or or a university selling degree programs into the organization. They, it's great they got they got Walmart to pick up on their benefit at, that that they're offering, but unless the employees take advantage of it. Like who cares? They don't get revenue. They don't get so. There's this. There's this. It's not just we're trying to do good, which I think most of these organizations are, but they're also trying to have a productive business relationship with these organizations. And because HR departments generically are not trained to be to be marketers, um, uh, these wonderful benefits uh, are not getting into the hands of the people. They're not the, the 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 impact of the purpose is not being fulfilled. Yeah, HR as marketers. The, a couple of years ago, we set out on this journey, and I was curious: can we can HR adapt the marketing mindset? And uh, who was was I? Were we wrong? We also, in many ways, dismissed the value of a marketing mindset. This isn't just minded. There's experiences. There are people, processes. It's a complex set of tools, and uh, it's almost like saying, let's adapt an attorney mindset, accountant mindset. You don't need an attorney anymore. You don't need an accountant anymore. You just adapt the mindset. No, 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 no. This is a series of, of skills and, and experiences and even education. I think you mentioned, Stephen, like, does, should HR be learning marketing? What, 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 what would that world look like? Yeah, I mean, again, you know, as as life has evolved and innovation takes hold and technology is introduced and and our society changes dramatically each and every day, it's it's causing us all to have to wear different hats that we have not had to wear before. And so I think where we are in in the sort of evolution of HR and you know is in or or talent management or whatever moniker you want to use, I think we're just at this place now where there's an additional hat that's being um, thrust upon those that are responsible for people, uh, um, and it's not just it's not transactional. Um, it's it's one in which, in order for an employee to, I'll call them you know, a life and en life enhancing employers, right? In order to be a life enhancing employer, um, you have to see yourself that way. And it, it re does require a different sense of mindset for sure, probably a different 
set of certifications and programs in education and learning um, and or outsourcing and um, and it also requires a whole set of tools. I mean, you know, I was just recently introduced to Prohabit and, you know, that we can talk about that all day long, but it, it you know, it's a perfect example of the convergence of where technology is now enabling this new, it, 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 new opportunity for um, people, people who prov provide employee oversight um, to actually have communications that's data enriched uh, data-driven um, and really um, able to fulfill uh, employees' needs, whether that's financial or lifelong learning or health or legal or concierge services or all of those things, right, that we've seen appear in benefits packages. Um, now we have an ability to personalize that experience and really make it meaningful um, for, and, and why does that, sorry, I, I mean, I, I, maybe I'll stop there. No, I'm right there with you. And, and partially in our discussion, you, you said something, you said company is a person, right? Whether it be in a call center, in a coffee mm -hmm. shop, uh, it's all about the individual. And I think in many ways, whether you call it, we're being spoiled as customers because brands are meeting us where we are. They're making our lives easier, whether it's pushing one button to purchase an item, it just shows up next day. Really, it's unbelievable. Or, or you're pushing, or you got the app, one notification, and you checked in for your airlines. All of that is then, it comes with a stark contrast when you go to work. And you go to work, and uh, what? let's talk benefits. What happens? Go the, log in. Find your username and password. There's a portal that, you were, that was announced one year ago. Inside that portal, you need to click 17 folders to identify a document that will start with a long PDF for you to, oh, you, you lost me the username and password. I am not going back back there. And um, what I'm curious about to talk to you, Stephen, and thank you for mentioning ProHabits. As we, you know, the audience knows, I'm very passionate about nudges, very passionate about the technology that's going to power this market. And let's get there, but within this context, people, process, technology for this emerging market. And our focus is on how does HR become the life support system for the organization of benefits is one way that it shows up. So let's start with the people. And we began to scratch this um, topic. What should HR, the CHRO, and, and you know, C-level, who will own this is the first question that's always in my mind. There are three options that come up and I'd love to start there, Stephen. The first I hear is the CMO. Let the CMO take on the internal message as well as the external message. Okay, option one. Option two, CHRO. It's time to evolve their skill. As you said, there's another hat for them to put on and st start to think about staffing accordingly. Or do we add another C-level? Chief people officer, maybe there's a chief culture officer. Stephen, what do you think? Which C-level or does it depend on the industry and the size of the organization? How would you, how would you approach this? I mean, I think you said it earlier. I think it's probably, I, I would not turn this over to a CMO necessarily, um, but I would take the CMO mindset and ingrain it into the CHRO or some other chief people officer. I mean, again, the title to me is, you know, is less important, although ownership is critical, right? You can, nothing is achieved unless somebody owns it. 
Um, but I, but the, sh the mind shift that needs to happen, uh, for whoever's in that role is seeing their employees, seeing their organization, uh, as fulfilling the purpose of, you know, life enhancement or life support, as you referenced it, right. That they're not just there to help. Um, people make a living, but they're there to help them make a life, right? And so that's that's a mind shift. That's a completely different way of thinking about what that person's role and responsibility is. If they move to that to that dimension, then now they're thinking about what what value am I bringing to employees? And and what's happened over the, over time? There's a careful balance between. Um, uh, engaged and indulged, right? And so what's happened over time is that we, we innovative companies, particularly companies that have billions of dollars and can afford to do it, like a Google or some of these larger companies that, you know, all of us read these magazines about and we aspire to be, oh, I want to provide, you know, um, uh, uh, laundry services to all of my people. Well, I can't afford to provide laundry services to all of them. I'm not Google. Um, and quite frankly, ultimately, I'm not sure my team cares about laundry services, right? And so I think it's, it's two things. It's one, it's identifying what value do you as an organization, as an employer, want to bring to your employees, not just selfishly, what do I want out of them, but what am I bringing to them? Mm -hmm. um, because if you look at it that way, my guess is, and data kind of shows it, you get more out of people if there's a sense of caring about the individual and the employee um, and they understand that you care about them. And ultimately, in this day and age, because of just things that have happened societally, companies have become a, a central source of trust. I mean, if you look at some of the trust studies that have been done over the years, it used to be religious institution, it used to be government institutions, and those things just are not as highly ranked as anymore, but companies are. It's the reason why CEOs are being asked to comment on societal issues, but but more importantly, it's why companies need to step up and 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 serve more of the life enhancing purposes of whether it's again financial, learning, health, whatever. Um, so it's it again going back to your question. It's not. I don't know what the title is. I think it probably is resides in the CHR, CHRO environment. Uh, but it's introducing the marketing mindset into that, whether at that person's level, or maybe that's a hire that they need to be making inside the organization to think about how I'm activating employees. Perfect. Let's go down that path. And uh, we're talking about benefits. For example, you, you and I spend a little bit of time talking about 401k benefits. Mm -hmm. So I'm a CHRO. And uh, yes, compliance check marked. We have the 401k benefit. That's what we've done in the past. And we've told you during onboarding, duh, it was in one of your documents. It was item number 75 on the list. Now the CHRO is saying, no, no, we are going to go beyond that. Okay. We're going to think about it as a marketer would. That's probably 
meeting them where they are? Is this a campaign? Like three months after, there's a reminder, hey, did you take advantage? And and there's a way to look into the system to say, I, I see if you've enrolled or you didn't enroll, you didn't take advantage. Social, perhaps proof, hey, others are taking advantage. So how would you then think, yeah, we don't need to come up with a campaign now. This is in broad strokes to then ask the question, well, should there be an internal agency next? Are we suggesting a CHRO to have the compliance team is over here? Now there's over here an agency. Here are your um, KPIs of an agency of what you will help to accomplish beyond uh, what's already being taken advantage of by our by our our teams. Yeah. So, four hundred one ks to me are the most. Well, actually, all of it is ludicrous, but 401ks is particularly interesting because in most cases, a lot of these organizations have matching. <laughs> and so the fact that you would have that you don't that there's an organization out there in the universe that doesn't have 100 percent participation in their 401k plan is just unfathomable to me. It, it And what we often do is we say, oh, well, that's, them. you know, I told the employees. Right. And so I'm sorry. If, if someone is not taking advantage of, this is probably where the shift needs to happen too. If someone's not taking advantage of a benefit, it's not the employee's fault. It's the employer's fault for not doing an adequate job of communicating that to the, to the audience that they, their employees. And the reason why that is to some extent is because HR has been trained and, or organizations have been trained that this is, this is done. There are these, one-time opportunities during the year in which these things happen. Oh, it's open enrollment. Okay, so for about two and a half weeks, we're gonna talk about benefits or remember I talked about it when you joined the firm, right? Like, you know, um, and so these these one-time moments where these things happen or it's when a crisis occurs in someone's life and now they're running to the HR department and they're saying, how do I solve this problem? Um, and Neither of those things are good for anyone. Uh, if you're the HR department, you, all of a sudden, one time a year, your entire department's being flooded and overwhelmed by an open enrollment um, that had we been communicating all year round, you wouldn't have the 10,000 questions that are coming in that day. Um, and so, you know, I think there, if, 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 if HR departments get better at communicating, it will not only... Um, increase the number of people taking advantage of the benefit and thus being happier as an employee, it will also relieve the department of a lot of the stresses that they have to deal with each and every day of their lives, right? What do you, I, I can't find my, my, uh, my health benefits. Oh, well, I gave you your login when you first joined, or I gave you your login. And well, if you were better at communicating, they would know that they would, and so, so, so there's that. Um, and so I think the better communications along those lines. And the other interesting thing to me too, which you and I talked about last time is um, no, no, nobody's doing this, but they could, which is HR departments could actually become a break-even phenomenon. I mean, they, they could, because if they actually treated their employees as an audience and marketed those benefits to that audience in a more sustainable and meaningful and impactful way, I would wager a bet that the 
organizations providing the benefits, your fidelities, your guild educations, your Cigna healthcares, all of those organizations would be delighted to pay the HR organization as opposed to them paying them. They'd be delighted to pay them X amount of dollars per employee per year if they were seeing uptake on the benefits that they were providing. That's such a disruptive idea. When you mentioned it last time, I mean, since then I've been spinning it around. It's actually quite fascinating when HR looks to vendors of these benefits and says, right. the audience is here, right? You can't go market to them directly. Right. It's the, la it's the last bastion. The four walls of corporations today is the last bastion of marketing. Now, if you're an HR person, you find that offensive and you don't really want to hear anyone say that to you. But if you turn it around and you think about it from the positive standpoint, you're not getting the uptake on the benefits you're providing today in a way that you would really like to. And so, and you're probably being restricted, particularly in a recession or in a difficult economic environment. You're seeing people walk out the door voluntarily or involuntarily. And so there is an opportunity here where you're just actually allowing the vendors that you've approved, right? This isn't like I'm going to start having, you know, Mercedes start marketing cars to my employees. Um, but there are things I'm already providing that aren't getting the light of day. And ultimately that contract is probably based on the amount of usage. So they would be delighted to have the opportunity to increase the usage of it. So people process technology, we're looking at the CHRO, we're looking specifically at the benefits. We're talking about running internal campaigns and partnership potentially with the vendors, with mm -hmm. the vendors, which is fascinating. We have very clear KPIs. But, but it happens today, just, just really quick. It does happen today, right? Uh, benefits fairs. Again, one-time moment. Well, yeah, we're going to have some of these benefits people sitting in the lobby at tables. Well, A, nobody's going to work anymore. But, but B, it never worked in the first place because who the hell is going to go walk down to the lobby and wander around and talk to strangers about the benefits? It's just not how people operate. Anyway, no. You know, no, it's totally cool. It, it's like, imagine you were in the, in the business of selling cars and you just had one event per year. That was it. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're open on, on, you know, June 16th to, and you can buy your car that day. Yeah. And, and again, part of the issue today is our mindsets. We are more just smoked from incoming notifications, social media. We're constantly tuned in to get our attention is much harder. Maybe 30 years ago, that worked once a year and we remembered what was what was discussed not anymore uh, which takes us in direction of technology and you and i chatted about that last time and i know you had an opportunity to learn more from a kind of an emerging point of view around the role of technology as we think about marketing but step one and from the what i see and you'll tell me if you see it the same way is to meet them where they are so we talked about onboarding as an example or we talked about the annual benefit enrollment well you see that, you know, when they started the organization, you see when the annual enrollment happened, you also see if they engaged or didn't engage, you see the extent of their engagement. So for me, step one, and then we'll talk about kind of step, uh, last step later, and then we'll fill in between, but would you agree meeting them where they are is key? Oh, that's been a universal truth for a long time, but not until now. Have we been able to do that, right? The fact that 
um, we, we were working with an organization that's um, responsible for providing benefits to the largest corporations in the world. And they are trying to figure this out, right? They're trying to figure out uh, the health benefits in particular. And they're trying to figure out how to, you know, everyone's been trying to figure out how to um, minimize the impact of some bad healthy behaviors, smoking, as an example, um, obesity, those sorts of things, right? And um, then you've got companies who are in um, challenging technological environments or otherwise like mining and those sorts of things where safety is the most important thing, right? And so you, you have these sort of existential opportunities where um, if, if you can get the messages to these people in a way that they're, you know, and um, th that you can actually encourage behavior, right? Ultimately, and you can do it based on, you have probably the greatest data set of those individuals for those things of anyone, right? If you bothered to collect them, right? So if you take the benefits, the health benefits piece of that, you probably know, and you have to be careful about, you obviously can't share any of that, but you have the data um, and you can individualize and personalize that experience one-to-one -one with that individual, but you have the data in your database. You know whether they're a parent, you know probably whether they're smokers, you probably know, what, or and if you don't, you could survey them um, and, and all of a sudden now, if you had the right technology, you could actually help them uh, make the right behavioral decisions for themselves and for the organization um, pretty easily. And in fact, there was one organization we worked with that actually literally incentivized it. So if you lost along the, the, their efforts to reduce obesity, if they, they actually had there's a company that provides scales for companies. And, and if you went on the scale and you monitored and they would actually pay you X amount of dollars for every pound you lost or, or how often. And you're seeing that more and more where health providers are actually paying people to actually do the right behaviors. But that need, that's all part of marketing, right? Totally is. And uh, it's fascinating how, how you, hearing you say that, that now we have the technology to do that. And uh, right. data, data, as you said, was already there. We're not talking about collecting more data. That may be something worth considering, but the data is there. If used responsibly, step one is to bring it together. Like that's what happens on the customer side. Whether you think about it as a CDP customer data platform, so whatever, your step one is to bump the data together. You say, okay, well, you, you enrolled in the benefits, or, or you you opted into not smoke, but also you've been part of the organization for this long. Are you virtual or at home? Like you look at all of this data, and then you start to ask the question of how do you support this person? How do you support right. them in their journey for what's next? Exactly. And, and that leads me to the other side of this, which is I think the only way to go is really short pieces of content. It's got to be, you know, Stephen, in my world, we refer to them as nudges, but we, we think it's got to be not just short and brief and engaging, almost a social media like in nature with, with call to actions, with social proof, but also it's got to be in the channel 
where they hang out, where they're spending their time. It can't, I don't know if email is the answer. There's email fatigue. Are they in Slack, Microsoft Teams? You got to start thinking about the way you think about Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Meet them where they're already spending their time. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I think that certainly the nudges um, is a critical component of it. I think it, it is, and we've seen that in, um, in the work that we've done. Um, but you have a, in the in the real world, right outside the wicked doors of companies and organizations, um, you're communicated to in a litany of ways, and I think that that consideration is probably what needs to be when putting together a marketing plan for your the launch of your benefits. Um, I think you need to think about all of that. Um, and so, you know, it used to be, I don't, you know, but a good place actually to put something would have been in somebody's paycheck, right? It's a piece of paper that people used to receive, but they looked at it every time they got it, right? right. Um, it might be that um, if you are requiring people to come into the office, it might be the television screens on every floor. It might be, I mean, the, 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 the old ways, if people are coming into the office, shouldn't be ignored. Um, uh, um, you know, even the back of the bathroom door, right? Like, I mean, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of ways to reach people and I don't think anything's changed necessarily from you know the old adage that people need to see see, see things three times before they actually act. I'm sure that's mm -hmm. not necessarily true as much anymore, but I think um, reaching people where they are. The the but the beautiful thing about what you were talking about um, is, but you can also do it in a CRM system through email and that sort of thing. Is the ability to leverage the data and hit people at the point of need, um, and so I think that that. Last thing I'll say, right? So in, in our world, um, we, we use in marketing, we use this thing called programmatic advertising, right? Mm -hmm. And programmatic advertising essentially is that sort of evilness that we all experience where I can either you've done some behavior uh, online that um, that has given me a trigger that I can follow you for the rest of your life and sell you something or you've read something or you've said something and you happen to be around your phone and, or someone in your house did. And so I can, within the IP of your house, I can uh, proliferate all the people in your home to sell you more socks. Um, it's it's a, a really powerful tool that programmatic, programmatic advertising really allows me to feed you an ad at your point of need because you've done something that has indicated it either your demographically fit that, your your persona fits that, or you've actually literally taken an action that does that. There's no reason why that programmatic environment could not be reimagined in the walls of a com company, where if someone uh, goes to your resource area and types in the word, um, uh, sad, I don't know, that there couldn't be something that was provided to them that says, we have mental health resources here at, at both for you and your family um, at this company, right? Is it creepy or is it helpful? 
it's all on how you do it. <laughs> it's 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 the objective of it. It's the governance. It's the transparency. Maybe there's an opt-in similar to what happens in the world of customers, but you just kind of blew my mind. Programmatic marketing within the walls of organizations intended to improve the lives of the humans inside those organizations and possibly to maximize and increase awareness of the benefits that are available within those organizations. Mind blown. Like that well, is the and, emerging market. And now think about AI. Th imagine, so you have all of these resources, you have all these things available to you. We worked with an organization that actually provides, uh, built a portal for higher educational institutions for students, mostly for health and stuff. Now, I, if I'm an employee and I log on to my portal or on my phone, whatever it is, I, I can probably talk to it and say, what, can you please tell me what my company provides me uh, as it relates to certification programs or how can I learn more about X? Mm -hmm. And via AI, it will immediately send me a text and it will say, uh, you can take these four courses. Like, mm -hmm. There's just no reason if, if, if companies wanted to do this, that they couldn't become, and they are the credible source for it, become the go-to um, touchstone for employees' life, livelihoods and lives. Amazing. Mind-blowing. So where I'd like to turn our conversation is to go from kind of the excitement of what's possible to the challenges of what's practical, because... You said there's no reason they wouldn't, and, and I agree, but there's also what is a step one and how do we get the senior leadership on board? Do you go get funding from vendors and partners? Do you make the case just legit, like go in with a, here's the ROI on, on wellness of our teams? Because we know, especially during a difficult economic times, not for everybody, but for many organizations, this, these are challenging times. Do you think this is an uphill battle or do you think this is an opportunity now? And, and how would you suggest those who are listening, the audience, the innovators, how would you suggest for them to approach this um, undertaking? Yeah, it's funny because right before you and I got on the phone, I was um, uh, writing an article for associations um, and how they're, they like companies are in a unique position that nobody else is in. The rest of the world, um, companies providing some service or benefit or uh, something, they're all out trying to get eyeballs, right? And then using content marketing to get those eyeballs to buy their product. So they have this hard task of going and getting new people every day to like their stuff. Mm -hmm. Companies, and associations have the audience. They just don't know what to do with them. And so the, to me, the first step is, is going down the journey of figuring out what to do with them. And that comes with understanding your employee base, right? And you can do that at the most generic sense, right? We have this number of people who are 50 plus, we have this number of people that are this, right? Just sort of understanding what your employee set is um, and you can create general communications streams for those general 
individuals um, and eventually with the goal eventually to get the personalization, right? Like a pro habit gives you the kind of makes, allows you to skip some of these steps, right? But the first thing is sort of understanding your consumer, i.e. the employees. Um, the second thing would be to understand what your products and services offerings are um, that you're bringing to that audience, which is again, your, your financial benefits, your learning benefits, your health benefits, um, and there's probably a litany of other things that are that are benefits. Um, then the next step is based on those products and services that you're trying to get into the hands of your consumer, your employees. Um, how do I? What's the best way for me to communicate about those things to them? And that can be done if you want. You can create an employee journey, right? You can kind of look at when somebody is looking for health benefits or we, we do open enrollment. I mean, if you use open enrollment as a good example, open enrollment um, is that moment in time. So that now let's plan a marketing plan, a communications plan or stream that's going to play off of open enrollment. So you can do that in a very, very generic sense. We know that people enrolled. Um, okay, what's the next thing that we want them to know about? We want them to know about you know, picking a doctor in, you know, in, in network, right? The next thing you want them to know about, you can start to figure out what are the, what are the things you want them to know about that benefit and start to roll that out. Then you can start to think about the channels in which to do that, right? So I can do it with posters in the lunchroom. I can do it through pro habit. I can do it through, um, I can do it through, you know, um, a newsletter, there's all these different platforms that they already have. They're just probably not using them efficiently or effectively. So again, what's the role we want to play in people's lives as an employer? Um, what, what is, what do our employee base look like? What are their needs? What are they, what, what are they looking for? Or, or, and then what services do we provide in order to meet that need? And then how am I planning on marketing that? What channels will I need? Then it's what messages do I need to come up with in order to make that possible and encourage that behavior? Awesome. Incredible. And I'm looking at times like, really? For 40 minutes? I could go on with you for a couple hours. Um, and, and I hope we, we just open the conversation because this is a really important question. How does HR you know, become the life support? Like how do they, how do they improve the lives of the employees? Not just live in the world of compliance or check the box, but how do they go beyond that? Um, Steven, I'm just super grateful for you to taking the time and, and sharing your brilliance. I hope this is the beginning. I, I think there's what, what you're saying could be very, very transformative, especially what, what pertains to the benefit space. Um, any thought less, or parting thoughts for, or advice for our audience before we part ways. And I don't want to, I'm hesitant. I'm like, I want to, want to keep asking. Well, first and foremost, um, I'm just really so glad that the world, you know, brought us together um, because it, it's nice to see someone who's so committed and, um, and devoted and passionate about. Thank you. Um, not only, creating a community around the thinking around this, but also even developing product that could um, help people facilitate these kinds of behavior changes based on data. I think that's really powerful. 
Um, but ultimately, I think sort of the punchline in all of this is the, the, the first step in all of this is changing again, um, the mindset of, you know, we're here to help people make a living to we're here to help people make a life, I think is, is really kind of a different mentality. And then how, how can I, as a, an employer, become that life enhancing employer, right? Like, how can I uh, achieve that kind of thing? And, and you have to, this can't be something also, this is the last thing, like, this can't just be something that resides at the HR level, um, at the people office level. This, this is not, this is, this is not lip service activity. This is something that is a CEO, a head of an organization, a founder um, needs to, they're the ones that need to have that mindset that I'm not here just to have people make a living. I'm here to have them make a life. Um, that has to happen at that level in order for this to truly be successful. That's a question that should be asked by every organization. Maybe that would be an episode two for you and I is how do you, how does every brand become a, a life enhancing you know, employer? I mean, that's, right. it's foundational. Well, again, super grateful for your time and for your contribution and looking forward to continuing soon. Thanks, Adam. I really appreciate it. All right. Over now.